Let's take another look at him again. This Jesus, who we all love and who we think we know and who we want to know more. I want to connect you a little bit closer to Jesus tonight and um, to make his heart and your heart mix uh, together that he will reveal things to you. For some of us tonight, you're not quite sure or whether you're convinced if God is only putting up with you because he has to. Because God's a loving God and he's, he puts up with people. But you know, we love Christ and all what he's done, but we're unsure of his inner heart. I don't know about you, but have you seen those films whereby it seems like it's the good person, but the good person turns out to be the bad person? Have you ever seen those films? It's like, you know, there's a policeman who turns out to be a bad policeman. In fact, that's the whole premise behind uh, a series of uh, programs called The Line of Duty, wasn't it? That there are some corrupt police officers. Or that somebody who seems good at first then turns out to be bad. For, for some of us, the idea of God and the idea of, of Jesus is we want to get into it. But for some of us, because of our life experiences and because of some of the things we've been gone through, we are waiting for Jesus to turn on us. We're waiting for him to let us down. And some of us are saying, oh, no, 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 that. Pastor Mark, I'm really not. I wonder if you've ever had someone think you are one way, but you're not that way. Has that happened to you where you think, oh, I didn't realize they thought I was like that? Some of you have been through some painful experiences where you've been in relationships with people and you thought they were one thing and they turned out to be something else. Isn't that true? Don't say amen. Just kind of go, you know what, that's right. Have you ever met somebody who then turns out to be completely different than what you expected them to be? And usually that's a negative thing. Kathy, my wife, she can tell you facts about me. She can tell you uh, facts about where I was born. She can tell you that I was born in Newcastle under Lyme. She can tell you that I was born in the 13th largest city, Stoke-on-Trent. She can tell you that Stoke-on-Trent was voted the worst place to live in 1987. She can tell you those facts about me. She can tell you I went to Chell High School. Uh, and it was spelt C-H-E-L-L. -L. So we just used to scrub off the C and the front and uh, that was my high school. She can tell you all those facts, but what Kathy can also tell you is she can tell you a bit about my heart. She can tell you about some of the things instinctively that she knows, what I like, what I don't like. I can tell you something about Kathy. She's not here. Should we talk about Kathy? She's not here. She hates surprises. It's really hard being married to somebody who hates surprises, don't you think? You know, you know, you want to give them a surprise present, and they go, Whoa. but I just do it anyway. Some of us think we know Jesus. Some of us secretly are thinking, I hope he's as good as he says he is. And there'll be one or two of you who are going to 
just react a little bit to what I'm saying. There's no, Pastor Mark, don't say that because he is good. We don't want to put any doubt in anybody's minds. But I want to say to you, do you really know him? Do you understand what he's really like? And tonight, one of my goals is to kind of peel off some layers and, and kind of get you to understand a little bit more about what he's like. He is good. And he isn't going to turn on you. He's good at the very fiber of his being. And you can trust him. But in order to get closer to him, you've got to peel off some layers and look deeply into him. You know in the Gospels there are 18, if you put all the Gospels together, there are 89 chapters. And if you add them all up, they'll tell you a lot about Jesus, his teachings, his miracles. And, but there's only one verse. Only one verse that strips back where he kind of becomes really personal and becomes really intimate about what he is actually like in his inner nature. It's almost that he has a private moment and it slips out. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 says this. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn about me. Don't just know facts about me. Don't just sing the songs about me. Don't just kind of get everybody else's opinion about me. You learn about me. Come and learn me, Jesus says. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in my heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We have to understand what Jesus said when he said in his heart. He was saying something really important, something really scriptural, something that's very important. And it's something that... Um, in a sense, I'm trying to birth in our church that the matters of the heart are the most, uh, most important matters. That actually the heart, scripturally, isn't just our emotions. You know, that um, uh, I, I always tell you old stories. Do you find it kind of cute and kind of endearing? Or do you just think, who's that old guy with his old stories? But does anybody remember the singer Scylla Black? Okay, we've got the old crowd in then. She had this famous hit called, Anybody You Had a Heart? Do you remember that? Yeah, Claudette's joining in. Well, actually, your heart's just a pump. Can you imagine that? Anybody who had a pump? But actually, in the Bible, your heart is more than just emotions. It's more than that physical organ. It's your center of all your motivations. Now, I read these scriptures last Tuesday night. I'm going to read them again just because I want to lay a foundation with you tonight that when Jesus says, this is what I'm like deep in my heart, he's not just saying a pop song type uh, view of it. He's actually saying something very important about the center of who he is. The Bible says this about the heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. That's the seed sown along the path. But the thing that comes out of a person's mouth comes from their heart. It's these things that defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defiles a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Jesus replied to, a, to the lawyers and to the teachers of the day, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Paul said to the Thessalonians, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but we're trying to please God who tests hearts. See, when Jesus said, I want you to see something in my heart, he's saying something really, really important about what he wants you to see about him. Paul said again to the Thessalonians, may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God our Father whom the Lord, when the Lord Jesus comes with his holy ones. You see, folks, it's all about the heart. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And tonight, if Jesus wants to tell you something about him, and then tells you something about what his heart is like, it's really important that you begin to receive it because as you know what he is like deeply on the inside of him, then you can get closer to him. You see, in the Scripture, the heart is not just the emotional center. Like I've said, it's the motivational center. It's what drives a person. It's the heart that defines us. And it's one of the teachings that I'm trying to birth in our church, that it, when the Scripture says, and it says it really clearly in Proverbs 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for, for everything else flows from it. Everything that you do flows from the inner self, that inner chamber of your heart. This makes what Jesus drives and says much more startling when you understand how important the idea of the heart is in Scripture. But for those of you who read the King James Version of the Bible, you'll often hear this phrase, bowels of compassion. And actually, in the Jewish mind, the heart was actually your intestines. It was deep in the core of you. I wonder today, we're all in our clothes and we're all dressed up and we're all kind of presenting ourselves. But actually, God's not looking at any of us the way that we're dressed tonight. God's looking at our hearts your heart is really important to God. And so, one of the teachings that we want to birth in the church is, guard your heart. So when Jesus says what his heart is like, it's really important that we pay attention. Jesus said this, 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in my heart. My driving motivation is this idea of gentleness. My driving motivation is being humble. The word gentle is only used three times in the New Testament. It's used in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, where, it, where in one of the Beatitudes, Jesus says, blessed are the meek. And it's the same word in the Greek, blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. I thought it was the rich and the powerful that inherit the earth. But in the kingdom of God, he flips it and says, no, it's the gentle that inherit the whole earth. What do you want? Maybe you could become like him, and it will come to you. Isn't it in another place where the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you? The second time that the word gentle is used is in Matthew 21, verse 5, where it says, see, daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt and a foal of a donkey. On his way to the cross, on his way to the triumphal entry, he's not sitting there like a king. He's sitting there gently. Of course, he's quoting from Zechariah 9, verse 9. says, see your king comes to you in righteousness and victory, lowly, lowly, riding on a donkey. You've got to get on and understand the heart of Jesus. You see, some of you sitting here tonight want me to talk about his power and his miracles, but he wants to talk to you about his heart. And he wants to communicate his heart to your heart. The third time that the word gentleness is used in the New Testament is in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, where it says, rather, it talks about uh, godly women, it says, rather, it should be that your inner self the unfailing beauty and a gentle and quiet spirit which is of greater worth in God's sight. When Jesus said, I am gentle in heart, he uses a, a word which uh, is pronounced pharos in the Greek, and it means receptive and considerate, welcome, open, tender, not quick to react. It's, it's a word whereby it basically it means I, I want to be receptive to what you are doing. In another place, Jesus said, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. And, and I just wonder whether or not your heart can be receptive. The heart of Jesus is a gentle heart where he says, I am open and receptive to what you're doing, God. And then Jesus goes on and describes himself again. And he looks at us and he says, not only am I gentle, I, I'm humble. Deep in my motivational center, I am humble. And he uses an unusual word actually when he describes that because when the scripture uses this word, it's often in the context of a downcast or socially repressed person. It's a Greek word called tapinos, which means not, not rising from the ground. 
Romans chapter 12 puts it this way, using the same word in verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud and be willing to associate with people of low position. So here we see the amazing Jesus saying, I'm gentle, I'm receptive to what what God is doing. I'm welcoming, but also I am lowly, I am humble. James 4 verse 6 says this, but he gives us more grace. This is why the scripture said, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And Jesus had the most favor from God because he was the most humble person in the world. If you want to attract God's presence to your life, we have to consider how am I being with God You see, the point of Jesus describing himself in a lowly way means he's accessible and anybody can approach him. There will come a day when he was high and lifted up and on a throne for all his glory and his eyes blazing with fire and the great power that we, we really enjoy about him. This is who he is. However, at his core, at his core, he is gentle, he's receptive, he's open. And secondly, he's humble. That means he's accessible. There is nobody in this building that is too low for Jesus not to stoop down and get on your level and say, you can come to me. You see, when you see People like myself on platforms, you don't realize that perhaps the background that we've had has been not the perfect one. But Jesus came into my background and said, you can come to me. I'm accessible. I'm lowly. Every single person in this room, you can come to him. Because in his heart, Even though he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he stoops down on everybody's level and says, I want to be on your level because I want to connect with you. You see, if you want to be like Jesus, you've got to begin to get on people's level. Connect with them. Not begin to see people too high for you or not begin to see people too low for you. But humble people just know what their position is before God and man. Humble people say, I want to connect with you. I want to be accessible to you. You see, here's the point. The main prerequisite to be embraced is if Jesus is like this, we've got to be open. We've got to begin to say, As people, how open are we? Can I be gentle enough to be receptive, to give other people their space and begin to hear what's going on and their ideas? Can I be open enough and be gentle enough and not full of my own mind and full of uh, what I want to do so much, even with God, that I'm kind of not gentle enough to hear what he wants to say? Do you remember that there was a prophet in the Old Testament in a cave who was in terrible trouble and a great wind passed by and God wasn't in that. A great fire passed by and God wasn't in that. A great earthquake passed by and God wasn't in that. But a gentle whisper passed by. 
And that was God's voice. And I wonder, even in your relationship with God, if you can be like Jesus, who with his Father was gentle and said, God, I'm just receptive. I wonder how open you are. I wonder how open I am. I wonder why we're not open. I wonder whether our faith is strong enough sometimes to be open, to trust God and say, well, you know what, if you've said it, I'll believe it, and that's enough for me. I wonder if we are the sort of people who could give up control and say, I trust you, God, even though this is scary, I'm giving up control of my life. You'd imagine Jesus walking up the hill of Golgotha, thinking, Father, I really hope you know what you're doing. He gave up control. He said, I trust you, God. I trust you that this will save the world. We don't see him how he really is because sometimes we've got skewed views of God. Sure, we see the glorified Christ, but can you hear the gospel Christ saying, in my heart, I'm gentle, I'm receptive. In my heart, I'm humble, I'm accessible, I'm on your level. Your openness to Jesus will be your issue of intimacy with him. My friend, a Scottish preacher who always finds things to say about words, and it's a, you've probably heard it a lot, but he says intimacy is into me see. I wonder if you're so closed that Jesus can't see into you. You see, our openness to him, and I want to encourage you just to relax and say, God, whatever you want to do, I'm open. You see, I think that's the real key to spirituality. Yeah, we've got great lessons about praise. We've got great lessons about spiritual warfare. But one of the greatest lessons about being a spiritual person is to understand the heart of God. And the heart of God is to say, I am open to what you want to bring. When we look at Jesus' invitation here, and he says, come unto me, or come to me, all you who are weary. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. And it begs the question to me, who can come? And the ones who are working hard for the type of life they want they can come. Because Jesus said, all you who labor. Come on, you're in the room. You've got your ambitions. You've got your hopes. You've got your dreams. You're that person who he's saying, you who labor. You see, as a Christian, we often read this verse and we think, oh yeah, it's all the other people. But actually, it's you. Those of you who are laboring to get the type of life you want, there's nothing wrong with that, but Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary, you can come to me. And there's another group of people that Jesus says, come to me, and he says, the ones who are burdened by something out of their control. 
He says, all you who are laboring come to me, and you who are heavy laden or burdened. A burden is something that you're carrying that's out of your control. And Jesus says, come to me. Some of you are carrying some things tonight, and you need to bring them to Jesus and lay them down, because in his heart, he's saying, I'm open to you. My very nature is that I'm gentle. I stay open to everything that you're carrying. You see, Jesus' heart is the remedy for the working weariness and the unfair burdens that we carry. Some of you are carrying some things that you didn't ask for. Some things have happened and it's fallen on you. And Jesus is saying, bring it to me. Bring it to me. And in your sense of justice and injustice, you're kind of saying to yourself, well, why has this happened to me? I've got so much to do, and now I've got to deal with this. And Jesus gently is saying to you, bring it to me. I'll carry it. I'll make a way through that you can't see. But if you don't bring it to me, I can't work it for you. How many of you are caring for relatives? How many of you are caring for things that you would never have thought you'd have to care for. And Jesus said, bring it to me. Kathy's mother was passing away. And we were in the, a transition from moving from one church, which was a church just north of here in Letchworth, to take up a post in Birmingham. And in the midst of this whole transition, Kathy's mother was passing away. And we had to do the whole thing of caring for her and finding care for her. And we were in one city. She was in another city. We spent hours on the motorway. And you know when you're trying to do stuff and then there's a traffic jam? And you think to yourself, where are all these people going or not going? And then you realize you are one of those people. And there are other people in other cars going, who are all these people and you're trying to do stuff, and you're in a traffic jam. And in the midst of all that caring for our parents, we learnt what this verse means when he says, if you're carrying a burden, bring it to me. Let me carry it. You see, Jesus' heart is the remedy for those of us who are working with unfair burdens. He's gentle. He's not striving. He's receptive. You don't have to labor or work. You don't have to get weary. Hold your hands out just for a minute. See, some of you know all this stuff, but you've got to know it at a deeper level because you're not practicing it. You want to get on and dance and praise and share, and, but actually now's the time for receiving. Unless you learn to receive, you'll never be his disciple. He's humble. If you're pressed low, he is low enough to meet your need. He will never, ever be too important for you, even though he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you see him one day, you will see him and be amazed at what he's like. He's tender, and he's open to you. And this is actually who he is. 
the only description of his inner motivation of those things. Some of you want to dance around his power. Some of you want to see him as the miracle worker. And let me assure you, he is all those things. This morning in our service, we sensed the power of God. We sensed where, who he is. But I want to say to you, he's gentle and humble and he's open to you. You can come to him. And as a Christian tonight, you need to empty yourself of all what you think he is and begin to say, let me take a fresh look at him and begin to say, Jesus, I'm bringing my work and my burdens to you. The Christian life surely involves labor when we labor for the harvest. Jesus is not a soft pushover. When I'm saying to you he's gentle and humble, I'm not saying that he is a pushover or he's soft. But there is an offer of rest in Jesus. There are certain types of personality that when you talk about rest, they don't want to hear it. But let me just help you. Rest is simply an intermission before you do something else. And Jesus says, come to me, have an intermission, and I'll take you to the next thing. Does that help you A-type personalities to feel that you don't have to swing in the hammock all the time? Rest is just an intermission. So today, I want to close what I want to say, and Sam, if you and the worship team would come back. I want to say to you, Jesus only asks you to do one thing here. He says, take the yoke upon you. It leads to intimacy. The yoke was put across the ox to help it to go in the right direction. I've actually seen this in, in India that the yoke is put across the beasts of burden, and it's actually the heaviest piece of equipment. It's heavy so that it keeps the oxen straight. But Jesus said it this way. His yoke is not a burden. He said it's easy. He said, the heaviest thing I'll place on you, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The heaviest thing that I'm going to place on you is that you're going to have to learn my teachings. That you're going to have to learn what I say is right. Now let me show you something really important. His yoke Bring, brings relief, not weight. He says, my burden or my, my yoke is light. And the reason that that is, is because his teachings are kind. Uh, don't you get fed up with the world pointing over to us as if the teachings of the Bible are harsh. In fact, Jesus said, my teachings are not burdensome. We make them burdensome when we fight against them. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy. And actually, 
The word for easy is the same word that's used in Ephesians, and it's translated kind. Jesus' teaching are kind. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. And it's the same word that Jesus says, My yoke is easy. His teaching is a yoke of kindness. His way is a yoke of direction. It's a life belt of kindness. Please stand with me if you will. There's a pastor, Pastor Seymour. And he did that famous prayer. He, I've listened to the whole sermon. It's an hour long and we've, we've cut out the middle bit that talks about that's my king. And Pastor Seymour talks about Jesus and he says this. He says, I wish I could describe him to you. And then he goes on a long thing about how he's indescribable and how he's matchless and how he's wonderful. But tonight, in a different way, in a different type of preaching, I tried to describe him to you from his own words that he says, I am gentle. I am humble in heart. You see, you've got to open yourself up why don't you do that just in your body posture right me with me? Just come and open yourself up. You've got to go his way in life because you'll experience his kindness. When he teaches you something and he places that yoke on you, which, which may seem at first that it's restricting you, but that's him being kind to you pointing you in the right direction. So you've got to be open to his teaching. Because when he says he's gentle in heart, he's saying he's receptive to you. When he says he's humble in heart, he says he'll come down to your level. When he says he'll put a yoke on you, he says he's going to put his kind teachings on you that will lead you in the right direction. Can I ask you, why are you fighting him? Why are you wrestling him? Why are you jockeying for position in your heart, thinking that he hasn't got room for you? He's got room for you. Why is it that you're carrying a burden that he said, come to me, bring it to me. I'll show you the way through it. Why are you carrying your burdens when all along he's saying, come to me, I'll show you how to do it. Why are you being independent? Why are you standing on your own two feet and not letting anybody into your life when all the while Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and laboring, I will give you rest. I will give you enough rest to set you up for your next thing. Amen, church.